Hello, and welcome to Learn to Listen. I'm your host, Mariah Parsons. Before we get started, I did want to be honest with you all and uh, apologize for how long it's been in between episodes six and seven. There have been so many new aspects of my life that have changed from graduating to moving to a new city and starting a new job, as well as being active member and one of the programs I'm in, I am dedicating more time to this podcast. So I'm hoping that with that, we have a renewed sense of energy as well as some restructuring and redesign. So I'm doing all new graphics. I'm taking a new approach to our recordings and seeing how that goes. So please let me know, but I ask you to also have some patience and forgiveness as I'm learning all about this podcasting world one step at a time. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy this episode as it was such a good conversation. Today, we're joined by Leanne Passaro, who is the Chief Operating Officer at The Hidden Opponent, an advocacy group that raises awareness for student-athlete mental health to address the stigma in sports. But yeah, so I would love to know kind of how you started with The Hidden Opponent and just like your story um, for our listeners because, you know, I, I know it and through our connection with Athletes for Hope, but I'd love to have you. Yeah, here. absolutely. Um, so I was a college athlete myself and uh, back in, well, let's start from the beginning, actually. Uh, I played college soccer and back in high school, I suffered the loss of a friend um, and former teammate to suicide. And her name is Madison Holleran. And her story has really blown up in the media. And, you know, ESPN wrote an article about her. She was covered in the New York Times and really big outlets. Um, And her family has really come forth and made this huge stand for mental health. And I remember when I was 16, when this happened, that really like shattered my world and um, popped my bubble of innocence per se. So, you know, it's always been something that's been like at the forefront of my mind since then. And I remember, you know, I really looked up to this person as like a student and an athlete and, you know, a friend and whatever. And um, I just remember thinking like, wow, like this is a problem that I've never really been exposed to or thought of. Fast forward a little bit, um, a little bit later in my high school career, you know, I'm suffering from my own concussions and start to feel the ramifications of that, of being sidelined from sport, of concussion recovery and all that comes with that. And I start getting really, really anxious. And I've never really been a person to be nervous about things. I think my friends would consider me super laid back. Um, But I remember just being extremely nervous all the time and not quite sure what to do about it. Um, So, you know, I started my own mental health journey kind of back then in high school and continued through college with, you know, seeking support, um, seeking medication, whatnot, and kind of building my support system around me to manage that. And my college career was definitely difficult as well in the sense that I played for a very uh, difficult coach to navigate. And that took a real beating to my mental game and my love of the sport. Um, And I guess I started seeing a lot of these issues come up again in college. Um, I saw 
two football players attempts to take their lives um, on my campus. One was someone I knew pretty well, um, and he's no longer with us. And I remember just being so confused and distraught as to why the conversation of how he died was kind of swept under the rug by my university. And, you know, I understand legal things and privacy matters and whatnot, but I was really just looking for some kind of response that was different than just let's have a vigil and move on. And then, you know, I'd say, I don't quite remember, maybe like six months later, another football player, luckily he's, you know, still alive, um, but severe damage. Um, And I just remember thinking, you know, this is, this is way too much. This is a very small school, like mm-hmm. 2000 people big. Um, you kind of know everyone's name. And I just saw this trend of, you know, it's athletes. Right. And why is that? Um, so I started kind of blogging about it on Instagram a little bit, um, writing poetry about it. Um, so I was doing a poetry project and my professor was like, Leanne, this is really empowerful work. And uh, I think this is something that you could continue after this class ends. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like, we'll see. Um, and I kind of let it slide for a while, maybe six months. And then when this second student athlete um, story came out on my campus, I was like, you know what, let me bring this back. Like maybe my professor had the right idea. So I just started talking about it on Instagram on this platform and kind of saw it grow pretty, pretty quickly in the community of, you know, my college Um, I remember I had like a handful of kids that I was friendly with or tangentially friends with kind of just DM me and be like, Hey, I really appreciate that you're doing this by the way. Like this means something. Yeah. And it was really, it was really cool to see, like, even this, like, I remember one really like, you know, big beefy football guy, super macho dude. He's a frat boy. You know, Uh I remember he DM'd me and I was like, wow, like this, this means something also like, he has no reason to say this, you know, like he's no reason to reach out about this. Um, so that was really cool to see. And I I didn't really plan on doing anything else with it except, you know, posting once in a while or, uh, writing down my thoughts. Um, but yeah. And then let's say, you know, life, life happens. We're continuing through college and then my senior year it's about March of my senior year and I got linked up to Victoria through a mutual uh friend of sorts kind of not even a friend but like a LinkedIn connection and uh so yeah shout out to LinkedIn yeah right (laughs) um linked up to Victoria through that and she was kind of in a place where she needed support with the hidden opponent and couldn't manage like her own business with that and um we kind of became friendly through that started working together um and over the course of the past year like we've become you know like best friends honestly Mm -hmm. as well as co-partners and opponents so it's been it's been crazy journey like I really do think that this is like some kind of force that put us together and um yeah it's really funny she actually visited my school back in February of that year and it wasn't really well promoted um or maybe it was to all the student athletes and at the time I wasn't a student athlete so I like didn't see it or something Mm -hmm. but I ended up going just like see what it was about 
And, um, I went up to her afterwards and I was like, Hey, like, really appreciate what you're doing. Like I kind of do the same stuff here on campus. Um, like would love to connect further. And she gave me her email and I actually never emailed her because like the <laughs> pandemic hit like the next week or something. Mm-hmm. And that um, washed over everyone's lives. <laughs> right. Like as if, yeah, I had no time for thinking of anything. Um, so I never emailed her, which is so funny. And I guess like the world still throws together, which is really, really cool. So it's funny because we have now been like really good friends for the last over a year. And uh, we say like we've never met in person, even though we like kind of did way back in February of like 2020. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be cool when we actually get to meet and hang out for real now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's so interesting how some people, you know, over <laughs> over Zoom and everything, you've just been working together and never actually met in per- person. But that's just yeah, it's crazy a normal thing these days. Um, and that makes me super, super happy. I'm a big believer in, you know, you cross paths with everyone in your life for a reason. So just hearing stories like that of how, you know, you initially met at Washington and Lee and then down the road <laughs> ended up becoming so close and working to with each other. Um, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. I totally believe in that stuff too. I think uh-huh. it's all kind of too good to be true. So yeah, very lucky, very blessed and uh, excited to see what comes next. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing too about, you know, your own story and yeah, Madison high school, your friend and everything. And I would, you know, like to say in this space, I had a very similar experience where it, unfortunately took, um, you know, having someone in my life and having that experience with someone, unfortunately taking their own life for me to kind of wake up. And like you said, burst my bubble of, you know, this is a really serious issue that I had never seen before. And I think I was around the same age of, um, 16. And so in high school to kind of see that and, see the effects. That's when I first became aware of it, but I never truly understood until coming to college. And so similarly, I think I really started to struggle when I broke my rib and I felt like I didn't have the same support system that I had when I was competing because I get a lot of my energy and my personal drive from competing And so when I kind of had that physical aspect taken away, I think my mental, um, you know, you said mental game, but started to kind of weaken as my body had weakened. And I wonder if you'd felt a similar um, relationship and if we could dive into that a little bit more as to why you think that happens. Because I've seen that with other teammates as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was fortunate to never have a severe like physical injury Mm -hmm. but I had so many concussions and it's it's crazy because like those are serious legitimate injuries but I struggled so hard because it's something that you can't see and it's something that my coach can't see Mm -hmm. and like I remember I think the last couple of years there's been a ton more research and emphasis and prevention on concussions but there's still a stigma of sorts around it. Um, and we're not quite sure the proper return to play protocol still. And I think we'll still be learning about this in so like years and years, uh, years and years, um, in the future. But, you know, those concussions were really hard for me because it, it was something that like, 
I don't know if you've ever had a concussion, but for me, it was something you haven't. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I couldn't, and this is going to sound crazy, but I couldn't tell if I was like manifesting symptoms or not. Mm -hmm. And obviously I wanted to be on the field. I wanted to be playing like that's any athlete, obviously, but I was also scared. Like I was scared that I was ruining my head. I was ruining my brain. You know, I'd had a couple, um, you know, people throw out, Oh, once you have three, like you should stop. Or once you have whatever you should stop. So, you know, I was scared of that. Um, I was wondering if it was my anxiety that was triggering symptoms or was the concussion triggering the anxiety, you know, so you run into this feedback loop of just like crazy symptoms and, uh, emotional symptoms as well. So I think that was really tricky for me. Um, and honestly is maybe one of the most like mentally exhausting kind of, um, injuries because there is no correct answer. There is no kind of, um, protocol per se. Um, so, you know, I got through that with the help of my one athletic trainer, like she's incredible and really just was everything I needed during that time. But my coach was not, not what I needed. Um, and that, you know, added a whole nother layer of stress. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for me, a lot of my mental stuff revolved around concussions. Um, I'm fortunate, you know, I never had like a knee injury or anything serious, at least like that. I'd say um, having concussions is serious, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely so not like but a fraction or a fracture on a MRI. Or right. Like yeah. Really like a never bad. like a long-term like uh, rehab type program or whatnot. Um, and so, you know, but I did see my friends go through those kind of things and obviously how stressful and hard those are. But concussions, I think, add this whole new layer of mental vulnerability um, and hard to explain to people and whatnot. So that was definitely hard for me. And, you know, there's a ton of research out there about how they affect you long-term and affect your mentality. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think, and I definitely recognize a correlation between my first concussion and um, like ongoing anxiety after that, Um, whether that's, you know, something that the concussion triggered or, you know, happened at the same time or whatnot, who knows, but yeah, it's kind of my story with that. Right. And I'm so glad you shared that because, you know, like I said earlier, I haven't had a concussion, um, but I've, I've had a teammate who had a, you know, repetitive and bad concussions. Um, and I really related to this, the cycle that you referred to of that, you know, mental loop of, am I creating these symptoms for myself or is there actually something wrong? So I'll share a little bit about, um, you know, my injury. So I didn't know for like two weeks that I had actually, you know, completely fractured my rib. And I thought it was just a muscle strain because that's kind of what the symptoms felt like. And so I was doing some rehab and trying to stretch it out and whatnot, but it got to a pain where a point where it's so painful that we finally said, you know, like, let's go in for an x-ray and how it works is you have to get the x-ray before the MRI, but hairline fractures, um, and complete fractures on ribs because they are so small, usually don't show up on x-rays. So I'd gotten the x-ray and there was nothing there. So I was like, okay, I definitely am just going crazy. And, you know, I think it's just muscular, whatever. And then I remember twisting my body one way and, you know, my legs went opposite, like just trying to get that stretch. And I (laughs) had such 
like a jolt of pain that I knew something had gone wrong. And I was thankfully with my trainer at the time, you know, doing rehab and she saw it too. Like the pain was, you know, pretty evident. And that the next day we got an MRI and saw that there was a break, um, was a break there. But for those two weeks leading up to it, I really thought that I had, you know, convinced myself that I was just too tired right now. And like, I was mentally trying to wrap myself out of the sport to like take a break. And, you know, I, I loved going to practice, but of course, as every athlete will say, there's, you know, those test days or those really hard days that every, you know, practice, it can add up to a lot. And so, you know, it was this weird balance, like you were just saying with concussions. And I can't imagine, you know, not having that MRI to kind of back me up and say like, oh no, it's, it's validating me that I'm feeling pain. Um, But it was such a weird phenomenon to try and, I guess, maneuver through because then I was showing like teammates and my coaches and being like, no, this is what's going on. But then right after I kind of got that validation, I started to feel guilty about, you know, not being able to train as hard and not being able to Mm. go through the same really rigorous workout schedules that we had for winter training. Cause for rowing, that's, you know, the winter is when you're doing those long workouts inside right. doors on the rowing machine. And so then it, it kind of released and or it manifested a whole guilt cycle on top of that. And that was mm. a lot. I think that's where a lot of my like mental health struggles came from is trying to balance, you know, taking some time and everyone in my life telling me like, Oh no, you need to take time. This is part of the recovery process, but then also internally feeling like, I shouldn't be able to do this. Like, I, right. you know, you know, it, does that make that's sense? so, yeah, that's, it's so funny. Cause I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, I don't know if I've ever really vocalized this whole thought process of mine of like, am I making this injury up like yes or no? And then like, to what severity is it like, and it's, it's crazy because obviously as athletes, like you want to be playing, like that's a no brainer, but we're also the only people that know our bodies too. And I feel like so many injury uh, rehab processes and like the mental side of it is like worrying about not only like your process, but like what other people think of your process. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, my coach wants me on the field tomorrow, but my athletic trainer doesn't want me on the field until this day. But my teammates want me like, maybe my teammates think I'm making this up like, like blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember like, for me, the one really bad concussion in college happened in a game and, uh, I got rocked. Like I got a girl's cleat. I was a soccer goalie. So I got a girl's cleat to my head and she just ran through me. And the film of it is a little blurry, but like, you can tell I'm down for the count kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I remember just like looking up and being like, wow, ow. And you know, my teammates above me and she's like, you're good. You're good. Get up, get up. Right. And when you have a teammate, like, and and no hard feelings to her at all, but you know, when you have a teammate doing that and you know, the game's tied zero, zero. And, you know, I was having the game of my life that game too. Like, like pressure's on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's a big, it's a big game. It's homecoming weekend against your big rival. Like you get up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember playing through the next um, like 25 minutes or so of the game, the whole time knowing something was wrong. Um, 
and being anxious that something was wrong, or even that it, maybe I, maybe I didn't know something was wrong, but I was nervous that something could be wrong. And, you know, the final whistle blew and I burst into tears and, uh, my coach thought I was crying because we lost. I, I, I got over that a while ago. Uh-huh. Um, back when I was a kid, I definitely cried when we lost. But uh, right, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was crying because, and I ran, and my athletic trainer ran to me, and I was like, I think, I think I hurt my head really badly. And you know, the only people that saw it were like, well, obviously I felt it, but the two defenders that were like in front of me saw it. So I was like, oh my God, nobody saw it. They don't believe me. Like they think that I'm crying because the game ended badly, like whatever it may be. And it's just this whole cycle of thinking like, what do others think Others think of me? Like, what do I think? Like, what does my coach think? What does the athletic trainer think? Um, that you really get wrapped up in. And that was definitely hard for me to navigate my emotions, not only about the physical injury itself, but about other people's feelings of the injury. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know. And like that aspect of needing evidence, you know, to kind of, right. Oh my God. You know what you're feeling. It's I, that's, you know, the most tragic part about mental health is that there is oftentimes no evidence and at least, you know, not comparable to physical evidence like we have in society, but it's just such a weird phenomenon. And I used to not be able to vocalize what was going on, I think, because I was way too immersed in it. Um, and you know, I think that just reflects on, you know, we think that we glorify a little bit, like the grind and really like sticking through pain, making you stronger. And, you know, if you're kind of like tapping out, then it reflects on the person and mm. it gets complicated in athletics, of course, because with your competition, you don't want to show like any weakness whatsoever. Right. And to show that you're hurt because, you know, it's that fear of, oh, if I show them that, they'll think they have a one up and then they'll win and they'll get that goal that you're both striving Mm -hmm. towards. But then, you know, when you're kind of off the field and talking to your coach, your athletic trainer, your teammates, it kind of has this like unspoken reflection on a person of if they get injured and it's, you know, so bad that they're sitting out from practice for a bit or they're not competing it's very much like there's a there's this type of air that goes around it and unless you know your teammates kind of see evidence or they know you really deeply in that you're a super hard worker sometimes the image can get a little blurry right that's so hard and so true and I'm I'm probably guilty of it too of you know Mm -hmm. judging someone that's like oh, I tweaked my knee. It's like, oh, like when, where, how, how bad is it? Can you play this weekend? You know, I think we're all guilty of that mentality. Um, And being able to work through that is hard, but I'm hoping it's something that, you know, we're working towards as a culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, I have to think and believe that we are. Um, And I remember from, you know, the athletes for hope chat that unfortunately (laughs) I was having some technical. Oh my God. That was so sad (laughs) to um, get on the Instagram live feed. But I remember you said something that really stuck with me and you were talking about how, you know, we do glorify a bit, you know, like you have your head down, you're academically working really hard. You're taking all these tests, you're going to practice, you're showing up, you're competing, you're at the highest level of your game. And there's kind of, you know, that inner competition within teammates sometimes of, you know, like Mm -hmm. who has the hardest major, but is doing 
the best on the team and as the best PR right now. And I know yeah. we've felt it, you know, that's what makes us um, competitive athletes is, you know, you, you got to have that pride somewhere. Um, but I was curious if you could elaborate on like, where do you think that comes from and why does like the competition of physically grinding, not kind of carry over to also taking care of yourself in the, you know, mental and emotional space. Yeah. I mean, that's a big one. I, I mean, you went to Notre Dame. I went to a great top school too. And like, we're, we're people that are talent, multi-talented and multifaceted and want to be the best. I mean, I think any athlete wants to be the best at what they do, but for someone like us, like we also want to be in the best in the classroom. You know, we want to get that internship. We want to, you know, um, have a great summer job, whatever it may be. And I know that was definitely the case at my school is, you know, who has what internship, who has what major, who's taking the most credits, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was a big conversation of who's working the hardest and still succeeding. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, why, why is that the caliber or the lifestyle that we are glorifying that we want? Like, why can't we, you know, take the weekend off, like watch Netflix, go for a hike, like whatever it is. Um, and I think maybe, I don't even know. I mean, our society today is so quick to just like, go, go, go rush, rush, rush. It's funny. Like I'm from New Jersey. You're from New Jersey. Like, like my parents, this is funny, but like my parents owned a restaurant and like everything in the restaurant was like full speed ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go down South and like the culture is a little bit different. Like things are slower. Um, and I remember like when we were kids and we were vacation down South, like my parents would remind us like, okay, the dinner's not going to come out like within five seconds. Um, and I do think it's a culture thing. And, you know, I studied abroad in Australia and things are so laid back there. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of like a stereotype of Aussies, but like they're super chill, you know, like they're fine to kick back and relax and not worry about getting a hundred percent on every test or whatever it may be. And I really loved being immersed in that kind of culture. And I think it definitely kind of reoriented my brain to be like, you know, it's okay to ask for an extension on a paper. It's okay to um, need to, you know, take a day off, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny. I think it's, it's, it's bred in us as athletes to begin with, but I also think it's bred in our American culture of, going a hundred miles an hour at all times, um, trying to get ahead and claw your way to the top. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up that distinction because I never would have, I know that's a stereotype, you know, that, um, yeah, Australia is like very laid back and chill, but even just hearing that, you know, it's okay to ask for an extension on a paper versus comparing that to, (laughs) you know, the U S of where it's like, Oh, you have to ask for an extension. Like you better have a really good reason as to why. Right. Like Like, why is that such a big deal? mm -hmm. Yeah. And and also that doesn't make you any less of a student. Like also I'm a teacher now. It's funny, you know, like I'm a teacher now. And like when someone asks for an extension, like, I think your first thought is like, Oh, what did you do wrong to need an extension instead of like extend some compassion and be like, okay, maybe they had a hard week emotionally, or maybe some, maybe they have a lot of other academic paper. Like it really doesn't matter, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not the end of the world to, you know, 
not get the A plus or like get a B or get a C, God forbid. Like it's, it's really okay. Um, and I think that was really something interesting that I saw when I studied abroad. Yeah, no, that I had, I had a kind of similar experience in Spain when I studied abroad there where it was, you know, like teachers said, you know, if you have this paper in early, go ahead and turn it. <laughs> but we're looking for, you know, like these couple of days. And I was like, this is, wow, such a different culture. Um, so that's just yeah. one interesting thing. But I'm hoping that, you know, that's where we're moving towards. And I really do think one of the um, unpredicted consequences of COVID is that more people are compassionate and um, appreciative of time and, you know, people spending more time with their families and doing what they really love. So I hope that you know, schools tend to have a little bit more forgiveness in, you know, our educational system and see that everyone needs a break, you know, teachers too, like say they don't, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, you being a teacher, like if you need more time to grade those papers, like, Right, right. The difference of a day or two going to make to the students, but it probably makes a huge difference to the teachers. So I think, you know, like it can go both ways of, you know, we're all human and (laughs) need that literally break, um, you know, every once in a while. Um, And I'm curious to to kind of transition. What was it like for you to graduate and kind of because I felt you know I was leaving rowing in the past um Mm. I don't think I'll compete you know in rowing masters or anything like that so what's (laughs) that transition like for you out of soccer yeah it's funny um you might have tapped a bigger conversation than you're willing for but uh um sheesh well you know soccer and I had a love-hate relationship I think for a while um And, you know, I had an amazing sophomore year, played every game pretty much. And, you know, I put up a game, a season of, you know, stats I was really proud of and, you know, accomplished a lot at a pretty young age that I was proud of. Um, And then junior year came along and uh, I found my spot ripped from under me um, in a really kind of tough way of me having to go home for a funeral and, uh, coming back and being told that my position was no longer. Um, So that was kind of a double whammy for me of a lot of different heartbreak at the same time. Um, And I think that was just, you know, while it was a pill to swallow, soccer was always kind of, I think soccer for me at the next level was like a gift, not necessarily something that I thought I I needed to be successful. Um, So, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher and a coach eventually. So I remember actually when I was miserable at practices during those junior year practices, I would sit there and I'd think like, okay, like how would I run this training session? And I used it literally as like a launching point for my own career. And I started thinking about the next step, like really early. And I was like, oh, like, how can I make this drill like for high schoolers or how can I um, be the best coach I can be? And how can I take lessons from this not so great situation of a coach and flip it on its head and be the coach that I would need right now if I were, you know, the, the kid. Um, So I remember sitting there like planning, you know, that far in advance um, during some hard times at practices. And then, 
um, I actually did not play my senior year, which was not by my choice. Um, I was abroad in Australia and I got a really tough phone call that, you know, they were going to move in a different direction. Um, and that came out of the left field. You know, I had been doing the training. I had put in my order for my sneakers and everything. Um, right. And that was a really tough pill to swallow. Um, there's some other compounding factors to that, that make things even more difficult, such as, you know, investigations into, uh, coaching behavior and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was like a classic storm of toxicity that I still wanted to be a part of because I love soccer, but you know, as much as the heartbreak hurt, I still saw like maybe the blessing that I gotten out of that situation. And I remember I called my therapist from Australia and I hadn't talked to her in, you know, months since being there. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, from, she's from my school. So like totally different time difference. I called her at like 10 PM in Aussie time. And she's like, is everything okay? And I was like, I got cut from the team. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, Ian, like, one, I hate to say it, but I'm not surprised based on his prior actions. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm really happy for you. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, I'm devastated here. Like, this is my life. This is my livelihood. This is my, like, who I am on campus, like Leanne, the soccer player. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, maybe we can have a therapy session next year that actually revolves around something other than your coach. And I was like, Woof, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. Yeah. So, you know, my therapist saw right away the beauty in me being released from that tough relationship. Um, Took me a while to get on the same page as her, but Mm -hmm. that was definitely a wake up call for me when she pointed that out, you know, that I had been seeing her for two and a half, three years. And all we'd been talking about is this man. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, times right (laughs) yeah exactly so blessing in disguise yes absolutely but my soccer career ended a lot quicker and sooner and abruptly than I was planning for Mm -hmm. Uh, but the beauty in it too was that I spent my senior year or what we had of it before the pandemic doing so many new things and exploring like new passions of mine I joined the outing club um I was part of like a political um committee that puts on this big political gala event. Um, I don't even know. I did so many cool things. I started writing more for this online publication. Um, I was editing for this publication. So, you know, I got to do other great things that I'm really happy with. And then also got to, you know, go out on the weekends and hang out with friends and uh, not rush to practice every day at 4 p.m. and sleep a bit more. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there was definitely some beauty in it as tough as it was, um, to lose that identity marker per se. Um, I think the worst is, you know, when someone comes up to you, he's like, Oh, how's soccer season going? I'm like, Oh, I'm not quite on the team this year, but, uh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh Yeah. You're like, well, Um, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I mean, I get that. Like, and I think I relate a lot to the kids who had their seasons canceled and went through the COVID abruptness of it all, or, you know, it's not having that closure aspect, but, um, 
I think it also would have been really hard to, you know, go through the senior day and go through those emotional moments too. Like you said, cleaning out the locker room and stuff like that. Like those are, those are hard in its own way too. So, you know, no matter how your season ends, it's, it's not going to be all sunshine, but you know, I think it's important to see the goodness in it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that, you know, you had a different, um, you know, trajectory with soccer than you had anticipated but I mean I just think you have a great way of reframing that and I love that you had taken you know the practices that you were at and saying if I was a coach how would I be doing this differently because that learning experience just shows you know like how strong you truly are and I can 100% say that in those workouts that I was in that I was like why am I you know absolutely just dedicating every moment of my life and right. mindset to this workout that lasts, you know, like 90 minutes, but it feels like your whole life. Right. So I can definitely say that I did not have the strength to tell myself and be like, okay, no, you need to reframe this um, into a different, you know, mindset and outlook to get through it. Um, so I really admire your ability to do that. Um, it's funny too, because people will be like, Oh, would you ever consider like, First of all, I played at a very small D3 school. Like, don't get me wrong. I played really great, like, elite club soccer in uh, high school. And, you know, some of my teammates – one of my teammates is actually, like, rookie of the year in the NWSL right now. Um, she's incredible. And, you know, yeah. So, like, that's the kid that I was playing with in high school, right? And she was the one scoring on me all the time um, in practice. Yeah. But, you know – makes perfect, right? <laughs> Right. Exactly. So people will be like, Oh, like, would you ever like go back and play like, you know, for like, I don't know, like minor leagues or like stuff like that. And I'm like, God, I, I can't even imagine. Like I'm no, like I'm so far past like wanting that. And as much as I would love to, in some aspects, like I'm so far past that, like I'm into this new chapter and I always saw like coaching and teaching as a profession, as like an extension of my own athletic career. Mm-hmm. And just like, kind of, that's like, like, I just always thought like, you know, this is my next step. It's something that makes sense. And it's something for me to hold on to the sports world in a really positive way that just fits my lifestyle more. And I, I freaking love coaching. Like coaching is such a, such a cool aspect, especially as a young person, I feel really in tune with the girls and, you know, I'm still figuring out, you know, what there is to learn about it, but it's exciting because it's, it's something that I, I feel like I kind of hit my limit with soccer. Like I, had gotten to be as good as I was going to get, you know, like I, 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 I reached what I wanted to reach. And eventually I feel like you probably do plateau and I didn't necessarily have the drive to keep, uh, keep, you know, improving that much. Um, but in coaching, I find myself, you know, looking up new strategies, like wanting to get better at, um, you know, playmaking or running an efficient practice or whatever it is. And it's just this awesome new challenge of, you know, getting better at something that I'm passionate about. So I I really see that translate really well. Yeah. And I think it's a great, um, you know, parallel of still having soccer, which played such a huge role in your life growing up and being able to share that joy with other people and teach them. But it really changes the, I guess, your relationship with soccer, because at least for me, I coach for my um, high school team back home in the summer for rowing. Yeah. So very similar. That's so cute. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, very similar experience where I was fortunate enough to 
coach a lot of the people now who I've seen, you know, crush it at like the, um, the upper level competitions. And it really, for me was the best part of having rowing in my life, other than of course the people I've met and the things I accomplished, but, um, having this, you know, other sense of being able to, I don't want to say like serve or share, but kind of be yeah. the role model for, you know, like younger athletes of like, oh no, you can have a healthy balance with rowing and outside life and knowing that you have people who support you in and out of rowing. I think that's so crucial because I had that um, growing up. So I love kind of being able to be on the other side of things and kind of give back in a way to the programs that have given me so much, you know? Yeah. I mean, this past year, I actually found like the most joy and happiness and success in coaching lacrosse, which is actually really funny. I played a year of lacrosse in college. So I played lacrosse in middle school. Mm. Not, not good, not good at all. (laughs) Um, It was just, you know, something that I played just about everything when I was growing up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, gave up lacrosse obviously for you know competitive club soccer which was in the same same season of spring and uh, I actually played a year of lacrosse at Washington and Lee when um, the team had so many injuries they uh, gave me a phone call and were like hey you ever uh, played lacrosse goalie and I was like god no why wild (laughs) Um, yeah so I was a stand-in four-string lacrosse goalie for WNL which is one of the top freaking d3 programs in the country Um, and I learned so much and I loved the team and I loved the coach and she's just such an amazing role model for young women. Um, so that was an awesome contrast to kind of the difficulties I was facing with my soccer coach to kind of see that. So I'm, I'm far from a lacrosse expert though. Don't get me wrong, but this year I got to coach varsity lacrosse and, um, got to do it with my head coach who is 24 young, you know, young woman. And we just, we tore it up, you know, we, uh, we're first time district champions, first time uh, to the regional tournament, you know, so we, we did amazing stuff with those girls. And, you know, I remember it was like day one and my head coach was like, we're going to make them run a mile. And I was like, oh God, it's the stuff that I hated when my coaches made us do. And she's like, no, you know, we have to do it. I was like, okay, you're right. So I was the mile person. And before they ran, I made them like say affirmations out loud. Like I am strong. I am fast. Like, you know, and they all rolled their eyes at me and like, you know, this is like day one. We're both two new coaches. They don't know us. And you know, this crazy kid, one of them's making us run and the other one's making us do affirmations on the starting line of the track. I love Um, that, but I can see how they were like, what is this? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but it's so funny because like through the course of the season, like those affirmations became like, maybe not daily, but it was often like we did them in a group huddle, like, you know, after practice one day, like, Oh, let's get some affirmations going. And people would just throw out, you know, we are resilient. We are hardworking, whatever it is. And, you know, they eventually bought into it. And I was like, you know, if this is the stuff that like I had as a student athlete, as a high schooler or as a college player, like, Oh, like it, it, it was just like so heartwarming to see, mm-hmm. you know, I created something small, but meaningful to them. And the relationships I have with those girls are, are incredible. And, you know, I am no longer working at that school. I, I took a different um, teaching job that was kind of a level up for me, but, you know, those girls still, you know, chat me and text me and um, keep me updated on what they're 
what they're doing. And one of my first um, players just committed to uh, her dream school this past week. So that was like incredible. And, you know, I helped write like a letter of rec for her to get all American this year and stuff like that. And, you know, to see her success is just, it it means so, so much. Um, And it's really cool to have that as a coach, kind of have your success be attached to other people's. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that is, I mean, congrats on all of that. That is so huge. Thanks. Yeah. It's Even- so cool because I'm such a, like, I think my uh, lacrosse, my friends who are lacrosse players probably giggle at the fact that I'm a lacrosse coach now, but right. it's kind of the same thing we were just saying of, you know, it's something I wanted to get better at and learn more and do, be a better coach at. And, you know, I was lucky to work with uh, a Syracuse alum. So she's obviously best of the best in lacrosse. And mm-hmm. um, she taught me so much and the girls taught me so much. And I think uh, in a year, I made myself a pretty decent lacrosse coach. So I, was I love say, it. Yeah. You have some accomplishments to, to kind of accompany yeah. <laughs> that uh, little brag, you know, and I yeah. love you, like the affirmations. Like I just imagine if every single team did that and bought into it, the difference that it would make, because it is sometimes, you know, those little things that add up and make, you know, just practice and your relationship with everyone on your team, just so much stronger. Right. So I love that you, um, integrated that with, you know, those, those girls that you were coaching that, that just, just so huge. Um, and I have, you know, one thing we touched upon a little bit earlier is that when, you were um, in your senior year, you were able to explore a bunch of more opportunities that you would have probably not have been able to explore had you been um, in soccer. So I'm curious, did you think kind of like hindsight is 2020 and that like the balance that you had um, between academics and social life and sport was it, you know, perhaps more weighted towards sport? And then you realize that after you would, um, you know, stop playing soccer. Cause I definitely feel like I, mm. I strive to have a balance and I feel like I had a pretty good grip on it. Right. Um, but, you know, I still, I still never know. Cause I'm like, should I have done that? Or, you know, there's some, right. some times where you have those like regretful moments of like, you know, should I have gotten more sleep or, Right. Like, would I have won that race or something like that? You know? Yeah. It's so easy to look back and, you know, think about what if, and I'm definitely guilty of that, but it's funny, you know, I went, I went to the D3 level because I wanted that balance and I wanted that, um, you know, off season to be able to study abroad and stuff like that. That was something I knew I wanted to do. And it's almost impossible to do at most D1 schools. Um, yeah, I went, but, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's funny, like, yes, I did have more of a balance than maybe you did in in my college career, but it's still so skewed towards your sport. You know, it's still so like soccer is first. I mean, soccer in school, obviously, but soccer is first and everything else is a lowly second or third, like low, low, low below it. Um, And I think there definitely are student athletes that make that balance work, but it's hard, man. It's, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of expectations to compete and, you know, some of these D3 programs are competing at levels that can beat D1 programs, you know, like, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit more time constraints on like what your off season looks like. I think your off season, I think that's the biggest bonus is your off season at the D3 level is much less than an off season at the D1 level, but 
it's still hard to jump into other things when, you know, you're, you know, your, your next season that comes up for sports, like that's all that there is, is your sport. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking specifically with the outing club for sure. So that's like WNL's, you know, outdoors club. Um, I was like, wow, I really wish I had started this earlier. And I expressed that to, you know, the people who were there and to the people that were in charge of it. And that is something that I definitely think I could have done more while I was still a student athlete. Um, you know, whether it's like just a weekend trip or like a night hike, like there are definitely things that you can do at lower levels, um, versus the involvement I had when I was a senior and had, you know, all the free time. And I, and I told the head of the outing club was like, listen, like, this is such an amazing community. And I think there are so many athletes I would love to get involved in this more. I think you need to go out and find them and say, you know, this is something that you can do outside of your sport and still it's like no commitment. Like you do it when you want, like show up for this hike when you want, show up for this s'mores night when you want, like it's very uh, low commitment. So, you know, I told him straight up, I was like, this is something I wish I had. This is a community I wish I had. This is something I love. I love the outdoors, blah, blah, blah. So that was definitely one that, um, you know, hindsight 2020 wish I had found earlier, but grateful that I found it when I did. Um, and then I think just like finding, the time to make your own schedule was really, really nice and powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, not having to like schedule in, like, this is my 15 minutes to shower and this is my, you know, 10 minutes to make a phone call home or whatever it yeah, was. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that was really good. And it also, I hate to say it, but like prepared me more for like the working world. Like no one's really making your schedule um, for life <laughs> the way that a coach makes your schedule for college exactly. so mm -hmm. as much as being a college athlete taught me so so much about you know myself and how to operate in the real world like not being a college athlete taught me a lot as well um so I'm definitely grateful for that I was fortunate in a weird way to have both those experiences in college yeah, for sure. And no, I completely agree now having graduated and, you know, being in the working world, it is so different that I, you know, just get the privilege of making my own workouts and like, Oh God, I haven't made my own workouts in ever. I don't even, I don't even do that anymore, which is like crazy to say. So good for you for like going after it. Um, yeah, I definitely find myself needing to get back into the gym, but I've actually really enjoyed like not going to the gym for a while, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. we'll get back in there eventually. Yeah. That's the thing is that you have to let yourself have some time to, you know, reheal parts of that relationship um, post <laughs> post. Right. Um, but yeah, I would, I would completely agree. And that's, I loved hearing the differences of you having both the experiences of being an athlete and not at college and, you know, having that, those opportunities to find out what else you liked while still at school and that an outdoors club, that sounds like so much fun. Um, and, you know, I'd like to think that, of course, I balance things pretty well, but even, you know, sometimes I'd have to catch myself when I was talking to family or friends or trying to have um, time for myself of not getting consumed with, you know, a test piece coming up or mm. practice tomorrow, what it's going to be if I knew it was a hard workout, you know, and like just having to kind of be on myself about um, like being present in the moment. That was a big right. um, 
big hurdle I had to yeah I it's I'm sitting here thinking like I don't even know if balance is the right word for any student athlete I think it's like a juggling act like it is an active process of pushing one ball and making time for the next and planning what's coming next like it is no part of it is like passive and I think of balance as like a passive process of um I don't know maybe the life that we're living a bit more now of um work and you know finding time for ourselves and finding time for friends and family like that feels more balanced to me whereas being a college athlete was like a very active process of keeping all the balls in the air and I I, it's funny because we do use that word balance all the time but maybe this is me thinking that we're gonna change that word to a juggling act (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can be the change we want to see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's so no, funny. I think that is so, so, so um, true. And I'm laughing because it, it really does resonate with me, <laughs> you know, just sometimes cr- like in absolute mayhem, just trying to keep everything in motion. Right. Um, and I think too, just to kind of circle it back around, that's why I think mental health does take a, you know, it gets put on the back burner sometimes it's mm. because it does for the most part uh, fall on the individual to kind of, if we want to continue that juggling metaphor, right? Like throw another ball in the mix. Right. So now you're trying to juggle even more. And I think that's, you know, why it can be harder as in addition to everything we discussed today, but just harder to take a moment and refocus and take time for ourselves when we already want to give so much time to everything else. Yeah, I'd say most athletes don't even have the uh, mental health or self-care ball in the air because it's just like another one to add to the plate. Even though, like, I think a big thing that a lot of us are advocating for now is that those things don't have to be long, lengthy processes. They can be like small little um, resets, whether it's, you know, taking five minutes to do nothing in between uh, activities like uh, listening to music or, uh, I don't know, like silly, like doing a face mask before you go to bed, like whatever it is, like they can be small, short things that aren't very, um, you know, time consuming or energy consuming that you can just add to your routine that maybe have benefits that are tenfold, you know? Yeah, exactly. Maybe, you know, make those that mental health ball a little bit smaller make some yeah a basketball maybe it's a softball (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love this this is so funny (laughs) right um but yeah I mean this has been such a pleasure to talk with you Leanne I mean I have absolutely enjoyed um learning so much more about you and just that you're so willing to come on and be so vulnerable and share your story so thank you you know for for coming on and spending some of your time with us Oh my God. Yes, of course. I love everything you're doing. I love you. I feel like we're kindred spirits, like good friends at this point. I love when I get off calls and I feel like I really, you know, know someone a bit deeper. And it's, it's funny that we're willing to have these conversations with nearly strangers, but uh, not necessarily with some of the people we love the most. So big encouragement to anyone to, you know, try to breach those conversations with people that in your corner because they're they're really not like they're hard but they don't need to be that scary you know so yeah thank you so so much for having me and 
Uh, I don't think you'll be getting rid of me anytime soon. So we'll talk. I pray not. I mean, it'll be a, maybe this is where we can get our competition now is <laughs> who can. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, like keep in contact the best. But yeah, again, it's been so great. Thank you all for listening and dedicating some of your time to listening to these conversations and being an external part of that conversation. I hope you take away with each episode, maybe some new perspectives and some ways to reflect about how what we talk about pertains to your life and your own interests and goals.